Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina football recruiting podcast. As usual, this is John Siegley, and I'm joined by Don Callahan, Inside Carolina's very own recruiting expert. Don, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. I can't complain. Just a normal day in December with a lot of stuff going on recruiting-wise. How about you? How's, how's your life been? It's going pretty well. I mean, we're recording this, like you said, on a Monday. I mean, it's going to be a little bit cold outside. I had the privilege of waiting for an oil change for three and a half hours earlier today. So that That's was fun. tons of fun there. Just love <laughs> being stuck at the dealership. You know, but hey, it is what it is. But with the holidays coming up, this is a big time for UNC recruiting. So I know I'm looking forward to it. And how about you? Same thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if looking forward to it is is the way I would describe it. I'm, I guess, dealing with it, you know, going through everything, (laughs) talking to sources, spending a whole lot of time on the phone, talking to recruits, doing interviews. I did a bunch of interviews on Sunday, you know, wrote up some stuff today. We'll write up stuff every day this week. And then we have the state championships on Saturday. We have big official visit weekend this weekend. And then I'll also be in Spartanburg starting this weekend for um, the Shrine Bowl, spent a couple of days in Spartanburg, and there's a bunch of UNC commits there. So yeah, so I'm I have my hands full at this moment. You just need to ask the Buck to see if you can borrow the Inside Carolina helicopter. You know that might help out a lot. <laughs> yeah, I need to find out where that helicopter is parked first before I <laughs> ask to borrow it. Well, you did mention though that you did put up something today, and I wanted to start there for those who may not be subscribed to the Tar Pit Premium Message Board. I'm referencing the state of recruiting as of December 4th that, Don, you put up earlier today. And looking over the list of targets that Carolina has still for the 2018 class, I wanted to start our talk today with asking you who you thought the biggest name still on the recruiting board is as of today. Oh, man, that's a good question. I guess if I have to pick one, I guess I would go with William Barnes, just because not only is he a highly ranked guy, a four-star guy from, from Florida, Paco to be exact, he's at a position of need. He's a guy who usually North Carolina might not be such a strong player for, but because his mom is a UNC alumnus and he's made multiple visits to Chapel Hill. UNC is is definitely strong in the mix. And the fact that Florida, which is a school that a lot of people expected him to eventually or expect him to eventually end up at, they're going through a coaching transition right now. So they have to kind of reestablish relationships with Barnes and and then also answer a whole lot of questions, which kind of might put them back a little bit. And UNC is trying to pounce on that. And if they're able to, that would be a huge pickup at, like I said, a position of need. And I think it's also important that Carolina had, by reports, a very good in-home visit with William Barnes. That was, what, last Friday, was it? Or sometime yes. last week? Yes, yes. Okay. And, you know, I mean, it's it's talked about on the message board so people can see it there, but Florida also had their in-home. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how Barnes's recruitment goes for the rest of the year because he's still scheduled to official visit in January. And mm-hmm. if Carolina could land him, I agree. I think he is the biggest name on the board, and that would just be huge for the class. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, because he's a guy who... 
He came to the Freak Show. I was really impressed with him. And the Freak Show plays with a lot of tenacity. Definitely a guy who just seems to kind of, I mean, he obviously, he has the physical tools, but he seems to kind of elevate those tools because of just his mentality. He's very, very competitive. And he's a guy that, I mean, UNC's recruiting him as an offensive tackle, but he actually is kind of like a tweener, offensive tackle, offensive guard, provides because a I lot think, of flexibility. I'd say, yeah, in that tweener position, I think it's because he has almost a wide frame mm-hmm. for a guard, but the footwork yes. of a tackle. Yes, exactly. And he's also, you know, he's six foot ish, no, sorry, six four ish. So he kind of, it, it, a lot of that depends when you're at that height. It depends on what other physical attributes you have. And like you mentioned, he has the quick feet, but he has the wide frame. So it's, it's all going to depend really on the need of whatever school he ends up at. You know, if they need him at tackle, I think he could play tackle. If they need him at guard, he could play guard. And that's obviously an, an extra bonus with him. Well, and it's also something that could get him on the field potentially sooner because depending on mm-hmm. how the, the depth chart looks, you know, he could play one position early and then move to another. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And, you know, a school might start to kind of figure out, okay, this is where he's going to end up, but I have an upperclassman at that position. So let me use Barnes at this position where I, I need some help at. So, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with your assessment there. All right. And then moving on to the next question I had for you, Don. So we've already mentioned Barnes, so you can't use him for this one. But again, looking at at the board, who do you think is the most important recruit left on the board for Carolina? Oh, man. Well, it would have to be. That's also a good question. I, I, I guess I guess since I can't use Barnes, it would have to be, you know, the running back position and I would have to lean towards Letty Brown because of he's a guy that right now, although there's some kinks that need to be worked out right now, he's a guy that is looking like will end up at North Carolina, which is weird to say since he's been committed to West Virginia since since April. But he has made three visits to North Carolina since he made that commitment to West Virginia, and he, and he plans on officially visiting North Carolina in January. But, you know, running back is the two running backs UNC used this year, Jordan Brown and Michael Carter, played very well. But Clearly, North Carolina needs depth. You know, they had to move linebackers to running back to kind of fill out that depth. And that's obviously something that the staff doesn't want to do. So running back is definitely a position that North Carolina needs depth, needs some bodies, because it's it's a position that really is, you know, there's a lot of injury possibilities there. So you need to have quality depth there. You know, Devin Lawrence is going to help with that. But I think a guy like Lady Brown can also kind of aid with that. I'm going to go in a little bit different direction there. He's a mm-hmm. new addition, but I think who has now become the most important guy on the board is Gary Bohannon. Am okay. I pronouncing his last name correctly? Yes, yes. Okay, and here's my rationale for that. I know that Carolina has jumped into his recruitment super late, mm-hmm. but he would be, I think, if I looked at the ratings correctly, and that's before they crashed earlier today, but <laughs> if Carolina were to sign Bohannon, he would be the highest rated prospect since... Mitch Trubisky. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? As far as a ranking, I yeah. I don't know just because for those who aren't haven't been following it too much, you know, we have, you know, well, we've all, we've been a part of Scout for a long 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 time. And Scout was was purchased by CBS Sports and which has owned 24/7 Sports. And so there's the the workings of a merger that are being finalized, which is why we're having a lot of these issues, which good news is is that hopefully a lot of those issues with the rankings will be solved within the next month or so. 
So to answer your question, it depends on what recruiting rankings you're looking at. Are you looking at the scout ones, which are you know going to be extinct soon? You're looking at the 24/7 ones or the 24/7 composite. And I haven't looked at all three, so I don't know. But you know, if UNC is able to add him, it's it would be a great pickup. I mean, he's a guy that's being heavily recruited by a lot of the Power Five schools within that region. But another name I'll throw at you, who's a yeah, I would say he's a completely different quarterback than Bohannon is Matthew Baldwin, who is a little bit of a late bloomer because he played behind a eventual Baylor quarterback for the past few seasons. This was his first year as a starter. He committed to Colorado State over the summer. And then as his senior season film started to to get out there and, and be evaluated, schools like Ohio State, Minnesota, Iowa, Kentucky, all started to offer him. And obviously, North Carolina is kind of in that mix, too. The main obstacle with him, which actually is kind of a good or bad thing, depending on your perspective, is that his season could go as late as December 23rd. That's their championship game in the state of Texas. So that would mean that he's UNC wants to get him in for an official visit, just like Bohannon. Once to once to get Baldwin in for an official visit in December, the sooner the better. You can kind of lock these guys in. But if he's playing championship game or playoff games the next couple of weekends, it really kind of prevents him from taking official visits. It also, if he were to take an official visit during during the week, it makes it difficult because that means he's going to miss practice time. And most high school kids, most high school coaches, are not going to be up for missing practices when they have a playoff game a couple of days away. So. So, I mean, he's another one, but I agree with you that landing another quarterback is going to be important. A lot of people haven't, weren't all that happy with how the quarterback position performed this season. I'll save that opinion for, for Greg Barnes, who does an unbelievable job covering, covering the football team. But if you have that sort of opinion, then obviously you want to get some talent in here to, to see if they can shake up this depth chart and to create some competition. And Bohannon and Baldwin would would certainly do that. I watched some of their film the last couple of days, and like I said, very different. Bohannon's more of your your dual threat, more of an athlete than than a true quarterback, while um, Baldwin's more of a pocket passer, has an unbelievable arm, quick release. Well, and Bohannon, I I looked him up on the, the 247 Sports Composite. He's the 10th best dual quarterback and the 231 national ranked. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking top 300 there, but I get where you're coming from, though, with Baldwin, because with Bohannon and, and a dual threat, I guess that is kind of in the mold as what Carolina has right now with Jace Reuter, who mm-hmm. also, he just became a four-star on the 247 Sports Composite. Yeah. So I guess if you brought him and Jace in, it could be a situation of you have guys with, similar skill sets but that pocket passing that Baldwin brings that's also interesting to consider though yeah it's very similar to what they had when Tyler Shook was committed because Tyler Shook was he had well I'm not gonna say he had mobility I mean he wasn't a statue back there but you know his biggest asset was his ability to throw particularly the deep ball he had great touch on his deep ball he was a pocket passer very similar to Baldwin whereas as you mentioned Wuhanen is more of a athlete quarterback, which is very similar to to Jace Reuter. So me personally, I'm not saying that this is UNC's mindset, because I think that to them, they'll take you know two athletes and kind of see which one develops. I think it might be better to have one of each. 
So then you have the option and you have more options out there when you have a variety of tools in your, in your toolbox. Absolutely. And then the third question that I have, Don, before we take our commercial break here is looking at the board again, I'm going to ask you to play Nostradamus a little bit here. Who do you think is the most likely prospect to commit to the heels? I think this one's probably the easier of your questions if I'm understanding it completely correctly. I think Kyle Wright, I, actually two guys, Kyle Wright and Jaleel Taylor are, would be my two picks. Kyle Wright is, he's a guy who uh, we wrote, wrote a story on him, posted it on Monday. He has some very interesting quotes and he's going to be deciding this week. So I, I advise everybody to check that out. Jaleel Taylor is officially visiting North Carolina this weekend. He is right now technically an Appalachian state commitment, but he too had some pretty interesting quotes in a story I ran last week. I think I ran it either Wednesday or Thursday. I urge everybody to read his story also because he had some really interesting quotes. Very, very telling, perhaps more telling than Kyle Wright's. And Kyle Wright's were pretty telling. So yeah, those would be my two picks. I mean, I I would not be surprised if North Carolina had at least two more commitments added to its commitment list this time next week. Well, both of those guys are at positions where the staff is trying to get additional depth too, right? I mean, especially with Jalil Taylor on the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, for a while there, UNC was just targeting three defensive linemen. And the way things kind of worked out, they decided to expand that a little bit more. They took, you know, guys who, you know, there's some guys who are traditional defensive ends, like a Chris Collins. And then you have a guy like Lance Ture, which we've spoken about the last couple of weeks, who will probably be a defensive end, but you can kind of see him being a defensive tackle, depending on how he matures. And then you have a guy like Nicholas Fullwilder, who I believe will start out his career at defensive end, but I think that he will definitely move to defensive tackle. And the staff is completely aware of all of that. And so when they were considering adding a fourth, they wanted to add a true defensive tackle, somebody who's going to play defensive tackle from day one. And Taylor was a guy that really kind of popped out to them on film and from his senior season, even though surprisingly his senior season statistically wasn't nearly as good as his sophomore and junior seasons because a lot of that was you know, facing double and triple teams and teams running away from him and that sort of stuff. But, you know, you're not going to see a lot of production from him from a senior season, but you'll definitely see it when you look at his sophomore and junior campaigns. And he's out of Cordell, Georgia. I thought that name sounded familiar. It's just south of Macon, Georgia. And I have some family that live in Macon. So when I saw Mm -hmm. that, I was like, hmm, Cordell is interesting. (laughs) Sorry. Yes, my my mother-in-law lives, I don't think she lives in Macon. I think she lives somewhere around there, though. So yeah, so I'm somewhat familiar with that area myself. Well, I mean, given how many FBS kids Georgia puts out as a state, it's always encouraging to see guys out from there. It's kind of the same thing with Florida kids. I mean, even if the ranking is may not be you know super high, generally prospects from those states just tend to work out, I would say, more often than not. And maybe that's just me making generalities, but I always like to see Carolina get kids from Georgia and Florida as much as possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are states that that are always producing talent. So, I mean, the more you recruit there, the more guys you're going to land, the stronger your pipeline to those states are. And, I mean, recruits talk to recruits, players talk to recruits. And so if you're able to, um, when you start recruiting a kid in a couple of years, and, you know, the more guys you're recruiting prior to him, 
they're able to share their experiences with North Carolina with that recruit in a couple of years. All right, we'll go ahead and then take our commercial break. When we come back, Don, I wanted to talk with you about the staff as a whole and their recruiting efforts. So stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back after this. And we are back. John Siegel here with Don Callahan for the Football Recruiting Podcast. And Don, in the first half of this, we talked about the prospects that Carolina is still recruiting. And a couple of those guys will be in for the official visits over this weekend. I think you said that this is going to be a big time official visit weekend, correct? Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be the biggest to date. I mean, the January 12th official visit weekend could potentially be bigger. But we're still so far away. Well, in recruiting time, we're still so far away from that. It could go. It could go either way. But as of right now, that's you know this this coming weekend is is the biggest to date. Yeah, and and there are are a lot of key prospects that are going to be here. The full list is posted on the Tarpit Premium Message Board. And to kind of shift gears a little bit, though, Don, with the decommitment of Peyton Wilson, which is still a sore subject for many Carolina fans for obvious reasons, and I think Carolina is probably running third now for the other big-time four-star linebacker, Dax Holyfield. When you're looking at you know, the situation like with Peyton and with Dax, the class as a whole right now, there was a lot of promise early on, especially during the spring. Mm -hmm. Then it kind of fizzled a little bit. And I think at times during the year, you saw some fans go a little bit almost apocalyptic about how this recruiting class was shaping up. But when you're looking at, you know, like what happened with Peyton, do you think that that is indicative at all of the staff or is that just something that, you know, just kind of was beyond their control? I think it was beyond their control because Peyton always expressed a strong relationship with Coach John Papuchas and Mike Eckler. But then again, Peyton did say a lot of things to us that he later kind of stepped back from. But from what I can gather, a lot of why he chose to decommit from North Carolina was just that he felt like he fit in better elsewhere, which I'm assuming he's talking about NC State, which is where he eventually committed to. So I, he felt like he fit better at NC State as opposed to North Carolina, which is kind of surprising considering that you know, one of his good friends, Jonah Melton, is a, a freshman offensive lineman in North Carolina. Peyton has made t- a ton of visits to North Carolina. He lives, you know, a Hail Mary throw away from Keenan Stadium. So you would assume that he had a good idea of what the population was like in Chapel Hill and had been there enough to kind of have that sort of understanding. But uh, so, yes, yeah, so supposedly that's that's the reason why he made the switch. And to, to talk about, I guess, the staff then, and I mean, it's one of those things where, yeah, I mean, sometimes if a kid just like with Peyton, I mean, if he changes his mind, he changes his mind. I just don't know, like if there was anything the staff could have done to maybe allay fears or what he was feeling. And I mean, I you know, obviously we're never going to know the answer to that. But I've seen the message board talk about how the staff right now seems to not be recruiting at the same level that previous staff like Butch and even some will throw out their bunting. And I've also seen that where some people say that the staff lacks maybe that one ace recruiter. But when you're looking at the classes, is that, in your opinion, a valid criticism or is Fedora and his staff recruiting at basically historical norms for Carolina? 
Well, I mean, obviously we can look at the numbers and kind of make some sort of determination. You know, I feel like North Carolina has some really good recruiters on the staff. You know, you're never going to have a staff that everybody is 100% a great recruiter. I think North Carolina has a couple of ace recruiters. I mean, I think Coach Cap is, is an unbelievable recruiter. And I think that Coach Gunnar Brewer is an unbelievable recruiter. And, and that's just when I talk to high school coaches and I talk to parents and I talk to recruits and, and I'm talking about conversations off the record with both of those guys, I hear nothing but positive things. I mean, and, and I feel like particularly with, well, really with both of them, I mean, I've had coaches just their, yeah, I'm talking about high school coaches, their face completely light up when I bring up Gunnar Brewer. You know, I mean, everybody seems to love Coach Brewer. He's very, very, very personable, seems to know everybody. And I'm not just talking about people who are in the football industry. You know, he knows people, you know, he knows bartenders, waitresses, people who work at hotels. I mean, he just seems to like know everybody and everybody seems to really, really, really love Coach Brewer. Coach Cap, just like Coach Brewer, is is you know just a um, grinder. He's very personable. He's a guy who, you know, whenever a recruit has a question about, something they feel very comfortable to reach out to you know coach cap and and they feel like he's always there for them so i mean to me i feel like those two are aces on unc staff and there's some other guys who are just you know grinders like chad scott i feel like deandre smith is a grinder he's kind of a little bit more low-key than the other ones but i mean he's he works his his butt off but yeah i mean i think that i think they have some good guys on their staff i mean but there's obviously you're never going to have you know from one to nine, and eventually one to 10, you're not going to have unbelievable recruiters. Yeah, you mentioned Brewer and Cap, and I agree, those are the two best recruiters that Carolina has on staff right now. But when you're talking about Coach Fedora himself, when you're talking generally in a recruitment for a kid, do you often look at the head coach, or you know, is most of the heavy lifting really done by the position coach or the assigned recruiter? Well, it's kind of like what you said. I mean, the assistant coaches, they're doing a lot of the the grinding, a lot of the, you know, tons of visits. And just because of the way the NCAA rule book is made up, you know, head coaches are limited to basically being closers. You know, you know a head coach can only make an in-home visit once during the contact period, whereas an assistant coach can visit at least once a week or no more than once a week. And that's what you're going to see is that the top top targets for UNC and the, and the commits, they're all going to get in-home visits from UNC's coaches or UNC assistant coaches at least once a week or, or only once a week. I'm sorry, I keep on messing up with that. But they will strategically bring in Coach Fedora. So what you'll see is he'll do the majority right now because it's early in the contact period. He'll do a lot of the commits to kind of make, you know, firm things up with them. Maybe he'll go in with a with a uh, uncommitted guy who is getting close to making a decision, or maybe he'll go in with a, com- a guy committed elsewhere that you want to kind of give enough push to kind of get him to visit or get him to rethink his commitment. But you, you basically have to be really, really, really strategic with how you, I guess, deploy Coach Fedora. So that's basically kind of like the knockout punch. And if you throw it too early, then it might lose its sting. If you try to throw it too late, it might be too late with a particular coach. So, so yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's really, and that's the case, you know, not just with the, with the contact period, you know, during the spring evaluation period, you know, head coaches aren't allowed on the road during visits. I mean, they'll be around for a lot of things, but there's only one head coach. So obviously they can't be 
you know, a shadow to a recruit. I mean, you might do that in special situations, but for the most part, you want to kind of just have Fedora be around for meals and, and other activities to kind of hang out and then, you know, use them as the, the last meeting during official visit to try to close out and hopefully kind of land a, a commitment. And that's, that's really where, where commitments typically happen is they happen during that meeting with Coach Fedora right before a recruit's about to end his official visit. So, yeah, I mean, what, what you're saying has a lot of validity to it. The assistant coaches do a lot of the grinding, a lot of the pounding the pavement sort of thing. I know I'm using a lot of cliches here, but, I mean, they're <laughs> the ones right. that, you know, they're making a lot of phone calls, you know, talking to a lot of different people. And the head coach is just there to kind of just, you know, if, if it's needed to, you know, give you that big swing. And let me ask you this then, from what you've heard from talking to prospects and then kids after they have committed, do you think that Coach Fedora, does he deliver a pretty good knockout punch there as you've been using? Yeah, I mean, from everything I've I've heard from recruits and their parents and everything, it's all been positive stuff. You know, it's as far as, you know, everybody comments on his energy and and feeling like they want to, they want him to lead them because he's just so energetic and, and he has this vision and you know, he's one of those guys that just has that air, has that excitement that just kind of filters out to everybody he talks to, you know, and, and really the high school coaches, you know, love the fact that he pays attention to them, does a lot of things that Butch Davis didn't really do. I mean, I, you know, there, there was a lot of negative stuff, you know, kind of whispers here and there from high school coaches about Butch Davis and some of the guys that are on staff too. They felt like the high school coaches felt like they weren't being taken care of in certain situations. But, you know, UNC does stuff like ever since, I think it was ever since Coach Fedora became head coach, they've been guest speakers for a, it's like, it actually turns out to be a pretty big football clinic in Concord, right, right outside of Charlotte. They've yeah. been doing it every April or May. And the coaches, you know, the first couple of years I did a story on it and all, everything was always positive. They, they really appreciate the coaches would take time out of their, their week to come and, and speak in because a lot for a lot of them the spring evaluation period is you know you make a lot of visits to schools and everything and then at night you go back to your hotel and get some rest or maybe do do additional work but they were actually spending some time at night um spending time with with the high school coaches and the coaches appreciate that and there's a lot of other things that the, the the coaching staff does that really has been very welcoming to the high school coaches and, and that stuff pays dividends in the long run Absolutely, it does. I mean, that's where I think it starts and, and ends with, frankly, with a lot of these kids, especially when you're talking about from these top tier programs in North Carolina, like Mallard Creek, Wake Forest, all of those, which coincidentally, they play Saturday at the, for the championship game, which I believe Inside Carolina will have coverage of. So mm-hmm. really looking forward to that. And talking, and we'll end on this, talking about class sizes and, and everything, given everything that you put into the state of recruiting and then looking at the tentative list or that I should say the initial list of official visitors, Don, how many kids do you think Carolina will end up eventually taking in this class? Do you think it will be close to full size or is it going to be closer to that 2021 number? I think closer to that 2021 number when all of a sudden done. They don't, right now they're probably targeting 18, 19, and they are talking about kind of expanding that a little bit based off of what they feel like is going to happen with attrition. So I think it, you know, it, it's it's much much safer to assume twenty ish than to assume twenty five. We'll go ahead then and end this podcast. Then Don, I encourage everybody to check out the state of recruiting on the Tarpit Premium Message Board. 
Also check out the official Visit Weekend thread. Uh, you'll be updating that throughout the week as we get more names, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there'll be things that will happen. Sadly, there could be potential removals from that list as things kind of happen. You know, recruits might pull out of their official visit. There could be additions. I know of a couple guys who are the coaching staff is trying to get in for this weekend. When we're able to confirm that stuff, we'll, we'll be adding it. So I definitely urge people to check it out throughout the week. But yeah, I mean, as just to echo what you said about the state of recruiting thread, there's a lot of information in there. I spoke to taking away recruits. I, I spoke to over a dozen sources to put that together. Obviously, I spoke to recruits also, and you obviously have to you know, get a lot of different sides of the story. So there's there's a ton of information in there. And I mean, especially right now where there's just a lot can happen, you know, in the next couple of months, there's a lot of information to kind of guide you along the way. It was almost staggering to see everything there. You know, you probably had to burn a lot of favors to yeah. to get those those sources there, Don. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. But it's is worth it, man. I mean, you hardest worker guy that I've seen. So I know I, I speak for myself. No, no problem. I mean, I I speak for myself, but I feel like most of the inside Carolina community. And I say thanks for doing all this and. Yeah, also looking forward to potentially hearing about what happens on the big Mallard Creek and Wake Forest matchup on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'll be at that game and then also Harding, which has probably the top running back or one of the top running backs in the nation for the 2019 class. We'll be at that game. And as I said earlier, right after the state championships, I'm heading down to Spartanburg, where the Shrine Bowl we played, in addition to a bunch of UNC commits, Dax Holyfield will be playing in it, Rick Sandage. We'll be playing in it. There's some interesting developments on his end that were in the, the state of recruiting that I'll let you kind of read. I won't ruin the surprise there, but hope to get some more information on him at the Shrine Bowl. But yeah, so we'll have tons of stuff coming out of this weekend. Well, the season may be over with, but recruiting is really just getting ramped up. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it, Don. Thanks again for talking with me today, man. No problem. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.